Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I am so thrilled to have a returning Firebird Book Award-winning author with me. He is Thomas H. Dahlberg Sr., and the book that recently won is titled The Big Kid in Basketball and the Lessons He Taught His Father and Coach. Tom's first book is titled From Heart to Head and Back Again, A Journey Through the Healthcare System, which won a previous Firebird Book Award. With more than 30 years of experience leading and serving in healthcare, Tom also volunteers for a wide range of nonprofits and loves his time coaching young men's basketball. He is also a recognized national writer and speaker, and he has become one of my dearest long-distance friends. So welcome back, Tom. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here, Pat. I am just uh, beyond words. You and your book award and this podcast has touched so many hearts and minds, and I'm thrilled to even be a small part of it. Oh, I'm so happy. I was so excited looking forward to today. I always love talking with you. It always refuels and recharges me. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good a good chat. Hey, listen, congratulations on the book win. Oh, thank you so much. It was, uh, you know, in, in thinking about the second edition, so this is the second edition of the book, you know, it, it really became apparent that I needed to write this. And it became apparent, uh, I think, mostly when I had put the first book out and I was out, you know, asking to speak at all these different, you know, sports events and, and educational programs and so forth on how to stop bullying. And then, Pat, it was, I think it was like a year or two after I had had the book out and, and, and doing all these talks. And then my son, who this book really is about, this is his journey. And it's my journey too, but it really everything I learned from him, he came out to my, my bride and I were on the, the deck and he said, you know, mom, dad, I need to talk to you. And I wrote the book about his time from, say, when he was age four to 18, and he was 25 now. And he says, uh, I need to tell you something, that um, when I was in fourth grade, I put a belt around my neck because the pain was so great, and I didn't want to live anymore. And, oh. and Pat, the oh. pain that he was feeling was from the bullying he had um, withstood was still being bullied from predominantly by adults, but also from some kids. And and I realized that here I was, I told the story and I'm telling these stories and I'm helping people understand how to stop bullying. And, and it really forced me to look in the mirror and realize I had so much more to learn. How did I miss this with my own son? The, the extent of the pain he was feeling. And that really, that was when my bride and I looked at each other and said, we need to update this book. We need, we've learned so much. We, we still need to learn so much, and we need to help people in, in an expanded way. And, and that's how the book came up, the second edition came about. And then when I, of course, I knew about your, your book awards, I said, well, let me submit it and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, Tom, I, I'm kind of speechless here. I mean, your son was an integral part of the first book. I, I find it it's kind of stunning. I'm sure you did, too, that he didn't mention this to you as you wrote the first book. Yeah, no, he didn't. And, and he actually went through his own, um, and he's still, as we all are, going through our healing processes. He was going through his own healing process when he came out on the deck and told us. And we helped him find a psychiatrist and a counselor. And, you know, he started his own podcast called Strength Through Vulnerability mm -hmm. and to help others. And I think it was, again, through his own uh, evolution 
that he got the mm-hmm. courage, for lack of a better term, right. to say what he needed to say. And uh, again, it, it absolutely broke our hearts. I tear up every time I think about it and talk about it. And, um, you know, I forget the old saying or something, uh, yeah, therefore, in the sake of God, you know, what could have happened? And we were so mm-hmm. blessed that it didn't happen. But the real bad stuff does happen to so many. And again, my bride and I, and my, my daughters and my son, we're just trying to help and, and help children and help families. One of the things that shocked me when we first did our first interview about this book was that it was not just bullying at the hands of fellow classmates and sportsmates, but most shockingly, their parents, adults. That's exactly right. And, and I remember first, you know, uh, understanding or beginning to understand what Tommy was going through. And I remember I was working for the National Institute for Children's Health Quality at the time. And thank God I was surrounded by experts. You know, when you think about high reliability, high reliability organizations, they say defer to the experts. And so I reached out to experts. I said, my son is being bullied and it's by, by adults. And, and, you know, my bride and I thought we were the worst parents ever. And what we learned was that we weren't alone. In fact, children being bullied by adults was not an aberration. 42% of children report being bullied by phys ed teachers and coaches, as an example. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that, again, even back then, we needed to get that word out. We needed to, to we needed help, and then we wanted to help others. Mm-hmm. So you're right, though. We were, we were shocked. Uh, again, we just thought, yeah. We were the worst ever, and then to hear that others were feeling and experiencing the same things, it just it breaks your heart, and it also um, inspires you to want to help. Absolutely. You know, Tom, I was thinking earlier about this today as I thought about our upcoming conversation. What about the bystander effect? You know, when people stand idly by and watch bullying take place, do we consider them to be as guilty as the actual perpetrators? Well, it's interesting, and I've heard that, and I've heard people have that perspective. What I've also heard and what the research is showing is those people who are standing by also exhibit signs of PTSD from the bullying, just as the actual direct victim of the bully um, experiences PTSD years later or days later, whatever it might be, so do the bystanders. So they're actually victims too. And yes, we could say you need to stand up and you should stand up and we should. That is the ideal. And yet a lot of these people, especially children, they're also experiencing bullying either at home or abuse at home and and, and bullying from others as well. And so I'm not going to judge them necessarily, other than say, yes, I want us all to stand up. We should be standing up. And we have to understand those that don't and how we can help them, too, because they're also victims here. I am just so thrilled I actually asked that question. This makes me think back to when I was a kid. I never bullied anyone, and I don't feel like I was ever bullied. But I did watch as, say, bullies ridiculed a girl on crutches who had MS or kids who were overweight or wore clothes that they didn't think were cool. And I never used my voice to attempt to intervene and I never took part, but I also didn't do anything to stop it. And maybe as a kid in elementary school, that's asking too much. But to this very day, I still think about that and I regret not taking an active role back then. And as you say, it's kind of PTSD that bounces back. I still live that today, just thinking about what happened to some of these kids. Absolutely. You're spot on. And it's, you know, those regrets we have and I could have done better. I truly believe we all do our best to the best of our ability at that time. And, and, and 
And yes, we can learn and grow from it, and we need to understand ourselves and be great, give ourselves grace, and we need to give others grace and hold people accountable for our actions. So yes, we can understand, we can even uh, develop rationale on why things happen, but we also need to work to stop it and to ensure it doesn't happen again. So it's one of those both ends. It's not an either or, but it's a both and. We need to give grace and hold accountable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, we never know the impact that we make on people. Many years ago, my mom ran into a girl who I went to grade school with, and during their conversation, they hadn't seen each other in years, this girl made it a point to tell my mom, Patty, meaning me, she said, Patty was always nice to me, and I, and still to this day, I remember that. And I was kind of stunned because I didn't remember going out of my way to be nice to her. But here we were years later, that stuck with her. So thinking of that, what do you suggest then that parents do or say to help their growing children realize that their kindness to others really can and does make a difference? You know, it, it, it's interesting. There's a um, social scientist by the name of Albert Moravian, and he studied communication. He studied uh, trust building and belief building and, 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 and so forth. And what he found was, and I think I have the specific numbers right, that 7% of that belief that we're uh, uh, exhibiting, that people, or, or that communication, when we're communicating, 7% of, uh, of that trust we're developing with someone is based on our words. And 38% of that belief and trust is based on how we say those words, our tone, our inflection. And 55% of it is based on what people see when we're communicating. So I have a lot of people ask me that question or similar type questions, and, and the first place I go to is first, we need to go to that 55%. We need to role model. We need to role model the behaviors. We need to role as a coach, as a parent, as a teacher, as a as a leader, as a as a as a friend. Role model the right behavior. Role model that behavior that isn't doing the wrong stuff. Role model that behavior that is doing the right stuff. Role model that behavior of standing up when we see the wrong stuff. It, that is the most most important, and the research shows that. It's that role modeling. And then it's also it, it, that listening, that being available to and creating a safe environment to listen to what's happening. Find out what's going on on a daily basis. Learn what's happening. Try to see to the best of our ability, understand we can never walk in someone else's shoes and people, you know, empathy and so forth. Really try to understand and see where people are coming from and talk to those points around where they're coming from. Ask the questions, get into that inquiry mode. It, it, it's so important that, again, we role model and we listen, and then there's lots of other things we can do beyond that. Uh, and yet it really starts there. At first, it's look in the mirror and realize maybe I'm the one mm -hmm. that's leading my child or leading other children down the wrong path. Maybe I need to first address me before I can even go forth and help others. Not an easy thing to do to look in the mirror and have that conversation, I guess, but uh, I agree to kind of walk the walk and talk the talk and not just offer lip service to something, but actually be that person so that others look at you and, and as you say, role model. Exactly, exactly. I used, when I was on stage a lot, I used to do this thing on role modeling and I would ask people, I would say, okay, everyone take their left hand and make an okay sign and now put it on your cheek but as I would say cheek, I would put that okay sign on my chin. And most of the people in the audience would put that okay sign 
on their chin mm-hmm. because, again, they're doing what they're seeing as opposed to what they're hearing. And I thought that was always an, a, a poignant way to show to people how role modeling is so important. That's genius. I would love to see you speak live. Uh, you know, it, it's um, I used to do it a lot with previous organizations, mm-hmm. and now again with this with these books, both the Hot Book and and the both editions of the Big Kid, and, and really focusing on not only stopping bullying, but also really amplifying the positive childhood experiences for kids. Mm-hmm. I really have wonderful opportunities to speak in front of, you know, on stage and at libraries and book signings and so forth. You know, my, my wife always says, you know, you're an introvert. How do you do that? <laughs> and, and, and it's not easy. And it, for all the other introverts out there, um, it does take a lot of time to recover after being on stage. But I absolutely love the moments of being on stage and connecting with others. Oh, that's so funny. I never would have thought you to be an introvert. <laughs> hugely so hugely so so uh so my bride again i was so smart to marry a nurse she knows exactly how to care for me as i try to care for her as well but how to care for me after those uh wonderful events and, and to make sure that i can re-energize in the way i detail absolutely they are exhausting because you put you're putting everything every ounce that you have of your being you're putting into that and so that is exhausting introvert or not that is true. That is true. It is true. So, Tom, because this is such a conversation anymore, are you seeing positive changes? Are you seeing people stopping the behavior sooner rather than later? What are you seeing out there in real time? What jumps out at me when you ask that question is I see a lot of good intention, and yet um, we really need to See, good intention is wonderful. Good intention, it comes from the heart. It's about wanting to do the right thing. And and I do believe, similar to what you're saying, that yes, more and more there's good intention to stop bullying and to to help children. And yet, that old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What we really need to do is marry the good intentions, all those wonderful, energizing, passion-filled good intentions with the evidence and the research, so hot in mind, to really make a difference. So, in fact, I, I, I shared a video earlier today in social media around this very subject. As an example, there are a lot of schools and, and youth programs that are using conflict resolution to um, address bullying. And the intention around is incredibly good, you know, good-hearted people really want to, you know, help people talk, you know, uh, the, the people that are involved talk and work things out. However, when you look at the research, what you find is conflict resolution actually makes things worse for a number of different reasons. Number one, bullying is not a conflict. Mm-hmm. Bullying is a form of victimization. And when we put it into this context or the construct of conflict uh, resolution, what we're basically saying to the victim of bullying is, you know, you're part of the You're problem of too, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna have yeah exactly. So we're gonna have you sit down with the person that's bullying you, that's been victimizing you, and you're gonna work it out. And so what happens is that the the children that are being and this is even adults too, but the the people that are being bullied stop saying or or or, or sharing that they're being bullied. They they start to keep it to themselves because they don't want to go through this second version or second phase of victimization where they're now victimized 
by a well-intentioned program to stop bullying. Mm. And, and so again, I, I see to your question, I see a lot more good intention. And again, I, I, and I love it and I, and I appreciate it. And we need to marry it with the evidence and the things that are actually gonna make things better for these kids. Oh my, I hadn't thought of that, Tom. And that's just one example. And, and please, and I say this to folks, I'm learning every day. Sure. And this, I wrote the first book and I started speaking because I wanted to help my child and I wanted to help other children. And then as I said, the way I see it is I had a huge failure. I totally missed the extent of the harm that was being done to my son and that in those extreme measures he almost took. And there were other children that have to have taken those measures. And I just, we can't allow that. Our, our kids uh, need our help. And when you add the, the pandemic and the efforts to mm -hmm. mitigate the pandemic and the adverse or the unintended consequences around many of those things that are adversely impacting children, they need us now more than ever. And more than ever, we need to marry heart and mind. Absolutely. Do I sense another book coming? Is there a follow-up to this where you put into place some of the solutions you have to marry the, the good intentions with a proper outcome? In the second edition that just came out via Kindle this week and it's coming out in paperback next week, that we hit on a lot of these things. Right. So, and then, yes. I have a book project that uh, I've been formulating. I've been talking to a number of trauma experts and, and, and children experts and, and, and the healthcare experts. And the working title right now is The Shield. Mm. And it's really about, so to give you just a real quick piece of it, what it's about, it, it, one of the, I love Marvel movies, I love Marvel comics, DC comics, and so forth. But one of the challenges I've always had with it, and I've had it since I was a kid myself, and, and I didn't really know what my concern or challenge was with these wonderful things, is that with these superheroes, what children are doing is they're giving up their strength to another, another. to a Superman or a Superwoman or, or a Wonder Woman or, or Iron Man, whomever. They're giving up their strength. And what I want to do is re-instill within children, within people, their, to find their own strength so they are the hero. Or they are just, not just, they are a human being that's, a, that's wonderful and, and, and beautiful and, and can help others. And they don't have to give up that, their own strength. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the theme of the shield. And the intention is to have it to be a, a, a book series for children that will go through different challenges and how they can find strength within as opposed to without. Oh, I can't wait for that. That is amazing. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I didn't expect that at all. And uh, my bride and I have been planning to um, get that started right after the holidays. Oh. So uh, looking forward to it. In fact, I tease it at the end of the Big Kid Basketball right. 2, or the second edition, I actually tease it in the last page or so. Oh, excellent. Oh, you're, you're just amazing. I always love your energy and your inspiration. And so the book is titled The Big Kid in Basketball and the Lessons He Taught His Father and Coach by Thomas H. Dahlberg Sr. Tom, why don't you share any and all contact information, how folks can find out more about you and uh, obviously get copies of this book? Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to. So website, pbkid.org. So 
TheBigKid, so tbkid.org. Get a lot of information on uh, this particular book, resources, how to get the book, and so forth. My hot book, which you mentioned, which is really about my own journey through the healthcare system, both as a healthcare leader, but also as a person that was told that he may never leave a hospital and go get in line for a heart transplant. That is, um, if you go to health-caring.org, that book is available there and more information, more resources around, around healthcare. I have in all my books my cell phone number because I want people to reach out. I may not have the right answers, but I can listen really, really good, and I can help direct. And so my cell phone is 207-747-9663. And then lastly, email is thomas.dahlborg, D-A-H-L-B-O-R-G, at dahlborghlg.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for all that you do to make the world a better place, not just this book, but all throughout healthcare. And it's such a blessing the day that you and I crossed paths. I'm always happy that you and I met. Thank you for sharing you and your book today and keep writing and keep sharing with us. Oh, thank you, Pat. And again, thank you for this podcast and Patient Safety Radio and, and all you do to help others and the book award program is just incredible. And, uh, and as I was saying to you earlier, I mean, the amazing authors and artists and so forth that have engaged in that book award program just blows my mind. I have so many new books now to read. I'm so excited about and I, and I learn from everyone. So you are just a treasure and you shine a light on so many and so many important topics. And I'm grateful for you. Oh, and I'm grateful for you as well. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You take care.